that's a great example of where contracts matter because you just drove a huge spike in trying to get that deal closed. Welcome to the Contract Lens Podcast brought to you by Malbec. In this podcast, we have conversations with contract management thought leaders and practitioners about everything contracts and its ecosystem. In today's episode, we are joined by David Ledgerwood, managing partner at Ad10 and podcast host. David shares how to use the risk and reward you uncover in your contracts from a revenue point of view. He has been a sales leader for over a decade, helping software and services companies grow revenue. He is an advocate of tech enablement and is a seasoned thought leader for revenue growth. So now it's time to relax, grab a glass of wine, and let's talk contracts. So, uh, David, I mean, uh, thank you uh, uh, for being here. Now, David, let's start with the the services that you provide. Sure, sure. Company is Ad One Zero, and uh, comes from my history of running sales, sort of early, early stage sales divisions for startups. Sometimes being in the you know sort of third person at the table, like here, build build sales. Good luck. And you know what? What we discovered in that process of having to grow companies into the millions was there's a reasonably standard playbook, and this goes back far enough that I don't remember anybody talking about chief revenue officer uh, yeah. back you know back then. But now that's that's what people say, and I think that makes a lot of sense to me. So we built a company that could say, all right, let's walk into someone else's company, provide what is essentially a chief revenue officer fractionally also provide all of the rev ops, sales ops, people use different words for that, but it's just basically run all the things yep. and then provide sales enablement. That's a whole other piece there that typically disconnected in some way from the, the marketing materials and functions, uh, sales intelligence so that we can look at and say, all right, every sales call that happens is basically a customer interview right from, from a think yeah. about from a lean startup perspective you're interviewing customers all the time so what do we do with that information and feed that up and down the organization so so sales intelligence and then closers as a service so take every call and let's turn those into deals and what's interesting to me then is uh, from from what you all provide is uh, we very very often have to deal with contracting and in fact, that that's a huge piece of the back and forth touch points that happen on the close, on the, you know, on the sell side. So uh, I yeah, a lot of things to say about people who do that uh, tremendously well and tremendously poorly. <laughs> so I see the need for your solutions. Yeah, that's awesome. From your perspective, what you've seen so far do you think the companies are able to manage from the time they got the lead all the way to the close and then post-close also? Mm-hmm. How many companies you think are, what percentage of them are ready to have a smooth operation from the lead to the close? Oh, none of them are. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and that's the nature of, you know, we, we intentionally walk into and look for companies. We very interest, We are very interested in 
you know, really early stage stuff. So, I mean, we're talking about companies that have not broken the six figure revenue mark yet, or rather broken out of it. So they haven't broken into the sevens. Yeah. Uh, we find that interesting, you know, that's a point where you could do that rapid, really rapid scale from over a couple of years. to let's say you're 500,000 to, and then these are bootstrap, you know, small things, right. Very often pre-funding if they're ever going to get funding. Right. Uh, so get that 500,000 to 5 million, maybe 10 million type of mark. And so we really want to take an operation that is nascent and scale it. So by nature, you're talking about in our case, founders have figured out how to make sales up to a certain point that we have proved viability, but that's about it. That's and now how do we take it out of the founder's head and make that into a scalable operation where uh, it's no longer just, you know, figure it out as you go. And then very often that will lead the way into having to scale and fix operations around finance, customer delivery, customer success, marketing, you know, all the things there, like what you really find is I think of revenue as that central sort of, um, you know, sort of, if you're a hub and spoke, yeah. revenue is the, the hub. I mean, it drives everything, right? So that's not to say we should be, you know, money hungry and break all the things just to score revenue. But if you don't have it, um, you know, there's not a really a whole lot to talk about in, in the business. So. Yeah. No, that's very interesting. You know, like there was a myth that contract lifecycle management was only for big companies, the companies who are making $50 million, $100 million in revenue and beyond. Then you need a contract management system. That was a myth. So from what you've seen with and without system, what would be the difference that you would be able to see some examples that you can give? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know what the worst thing is for us? And let's just, I mean, we like, for example, we use certain stacks and every company has a different stack that they, they want to work on from the, you know, revenue perspective. So it's easier for us to walk into companies and say, let's use Google workspace, formerly Google apps. Uh, let's use HubSpot. Let's use Slack. You know, so we, we work in companies of that ilk. However, yeah. most of them, uh, either before or after we're done are selling into, you know, mega scale fortune 500 types of things. And almost in every case, you know, those companies are on office 365, hopefully, if not a previous version of that. And yeah. so what's the unifying, you know, sort of distribution method then is you're going to end up in some kind of a PDF that's yeah. going to be sent via some kind of an e-signature platform kicked around, probably converted into some kind of Word document. Legal makes red lines in Word. Um, the CFO, you know, they, they, they review it. You know, there's just, just all kinds of stuff round and round and round. Yeah. And you get back multiple copies of the thing. Then you need to, you know, manually re push that back into your Google Doc or, you know, figure out how to accept it. I mean, it's a huge frictional point. So, yes, you need that at every level. It would be brilliant. Uh, for clients to be able to, you know, sort of say, hey, we're going to deploy this contract here. You can get into the system. You can do all the things you need to do. There's version tracking, you know, there's all that stuff. And then we can finally agree on something and sign it. Yeah. So contract lifecycle uh, is huge. And you're totally right. Because even if you're small, if you want to sell into big, you have to be able to play that, that game. And 
obviously you would hope that if you were to introduce a solution that that they could play along with uh, for some reason you know they won't open a google doc at, <laughs> at many yeah. enterprises you know but so, maybe they would open you know some other sort of well-respected system right absolutely so it's it's interesting also uh, a, an organization of uh, 10 20 30 people that will grow into 50 people 100 people 70 yep. you know, like uh, it just keeps growing but if you don't put the right infrastructure in place then your growth is hindered right oh absolutely so the visibility and- visibility is key right mm-hmm. what you're signing to who are the touch points and how fast you can close a particular deal. So it's all about starting and getting the deal done as quickly as possible with uh, the the best terms under the circumstance, right? Yeah. I mean, you want to think about cash received, really. I mean, uh, particularly a small company, you know, and knowing that large companies maybe might drag you out to net 90, uh, so right. you have a significant problem if you're starting to, to grow up into these types of, of things. If you can carve off of that space that is the frictional cost there, your time to actual money in the bank is really what you're concerned about it. Right. At that scale, you have to deliver things before you're paid for them many times if you want to have larger clients. And I think that I see that at the small company level a lot. Let's let's figure out how to carve 10 days off of that review cycle. Mm. Now that, that matters a lot because now like the space of having to pay for things and the space of being delivered and paid for the things, I mean, we have to shrink that, that just all you're borrowing against is your cash in the bank at that point. And I, I think that's the place that makes a big difference. Sure. From their perspective, from uh, the executives, the CEO, uh, the CFO and others, do they see the need to move into the 21st century and how to how to use uh, some of the solutions in the middle office? That's the nice thing about working with with small companies in mm. general is that you know when we're thinking about like cloud enable, it's not weird anymore that everything runs on you know point solutions and SaaS. Right. Uh, integrations being the biggest question there is it does it play along with the other things? that we use, um, you know, and I think some of the solution buying perspectives are just, you know, uh, SaaS can quickly become, you know, death by a thousand cuts where you kind of go like every one of these things I pay by the seed or I have a license. And it's just like, ultimately uh, it's the same thing that happens like where you thought you don't have a cable bill anymore, but now you have 16 different streaming services that cost more than what your cable costs. So you know, you have to pay attention to that as you're building out the stack. But there's there's no question that uh, I see a willingness to do that. And, and certain point solutions make a lot of sense. And more than that, you know, I think from the SaaS provision perspective, like as a business, you want to build something that rolls up a few point solutions so that people yep. can kind of say like, hey, that accomplishes a thing that I need across different areas and it integrates in the places that I need it to. You know, I think that's really the, the buying consideration. And that's, that's a good thing for a SaaS provider because you can kind of say which providers, uh, which tangent providers or MSPs or solution providers or channels or referrals, like how can I get 
up against that and say, hey, we integrate with that thing. And that's the one that they recommend. You know, I think there's, there's a business development strategy for SaaS right in there. Sure. And uh, one of the interesting things is if you don't have your system together, if you don't have a good solution together, it shows to your customers, right? Customers, customer, yes. right? How disorganized you may be, right? So uh, uh, with that, uh, definitely it's, uh, it's not just, you know, like contracting is not just an internal function, it's an external function. Yes. Do you agree with that? I mean, uh, oh, absolutely. Every touch point is a marketing touch point. And the degree to which you make it easy to buy and even pleasurable to buy from and finish that yeah. with your customer, look at, and I, and I want people to resonate with like, if you're a CFO and you're buying things or you're legal and you're thinking about any solution that you put in place, understand that like your frontline sales folks are out there. Yeah pitching their heart out on your thing being so awesome and how dealing with you is better than dealing with a competitor. And if you throw a really high friction, nasty process into there, yeah. you're going to require your salespeople to kind of hate on you in public to say, oh, listen, you know, it's going to be great after the fact, but we just need to get over this miserable setup process. And I've had that happen to me, like on, on even on the buy side and I go, oh, that's terrible. You know, uh, why? And, and they, you force your salespeople to sort of say, well, our solution is great and dealing with the delivery people is great, but dealing with our finance and legal just kind of sucks. And I'm sorry, you know, I'll, I'll do my best. And you don't like that. Like, don't make your salespeople do that. So these are, these are all touch points. And if that can be beautiful and smooth, I'll share some, you know, some stories on the, on the sell side where we have to get big companies to work with us. And, and many times uh, as a small business, smaller business, when yeah. you start to get into really selling fortune 500, you know, massive companies, they're not going to take your contract anyway. <laughs> they're yeah. going to give you their contract and they're going to say, you, you know, you're going to sign this. Yeah. And so you have to go through the legal and financial and risk analysis review and kind of go, Obviously, I want to do business with this huge company. That's that's a big deal for us. But they don't care about anything that I bring to the table. I'm going to use their statement of work. I'm going to use their contract. And now how do I analyze that on my side? So you face that as you grow both sides. And I've seen from the, I'm selling to company X on your behalf, right? Yeah. And I mean, I can say like, and this is big stuff, you know, Comcast, um, Facebook, you know, Alibaba, like international huge companies, Parker, like you name it. And some of them have 60 page, you know, eight point font managed service agreement where, you know, send me your firstborn child and we'll pay you in 120 days if we like you. And there's liquidated damages. And also some of these companies are just awful to deal with. And that leaves a bad taste in your mouth from the perspective that I know that brand. And yeah. so it's interesting, right? Like, like, uh, but like, look at that brand association. Like here, I have this miserable experience with your brand on it as, as a business person, just trying to provide you with what you asked for. Yeah. And here at home, I have this thing and it like, it just sticks in my head. So like when we talk about marketing touch points, like all that stuff matters across channel. And on the flip side of it, 
having dealt with Facebook, you mm. see Facebook kind of get dragged through the mud in the news and it, whatever you feel about that and their consumer stuff and they have too much power and there's a lot of things going on there. Well, I, I can tell you dealing with Facebook on the business side as a small business has been the best experience mm. of all time that I have ever had in 20 years of doing with this. Their contracting was amazing. It went fast. They paid fast. They took care of us. Like, and the whole point there is Facebook saying in their marketing materials on the B2B side, we take care of your business. We help grow your local business. We provide the best local tools. We care about businesses. And they demonstrated that through the contracting process sure. and their payment terms. And like, so that was really smart. And I, I just, I drew that distinction um, on the, on the sell side. It's like dealing with these companies on the sell side and on the buy side, they had an opportunity to make an impact and, and they did it one way or another, good, good or bad. And there's yeah. endless examples of that. Uh, but yeah, that, that contracting life cycle communicates what is it like to deal with this company and how will it be to transact, transact business with them? That's right. So it's kind of, you know, like, uh, is it fair to say it's like dating uh, before getting married, right? Yeah. <laughs> a it's like putting yourself out there that's for sure and you're saying <laughs> oh no like what have we done here you know this is going to be horrible and, and yes uh, and uh, businesses will face small businesses face this like you want that logo on your website that's right you know you really want to do business with that big company like that is an amazing amount of of credibility yeah. and it's it's tough when they beat you down for the right to use their logo yeah or or the worst one where you go through all the like miserable stuff. And then you, then you see in their contract, you know, buried on page 35 is they're banning you from telling anyone that you ever worked with them. Yeah. So you get your net 120 terms and you can't tell anybody. Yeah. And, and again, you know, the, the good ones don't do that. And I think that that's, that's really about brand and marketing and more than it's about contracting, but you're using each tool and really thinking like, what is the ethos of what we want to put out there mm. to all the people that we work with? Yeah. Like contracts can do that too. There are really good ways to write. Like I see onerous clauses for uh, non-compete mm. and for non-solicitation and yeah. all these things with liquidated damages and just these over the top legal things we kind of go hold on like what if we wrote that in a way that just said this is not a cool thing don't do that yeah if you want to do that let's do it in writing and be cool you know and really that accomplishes the same risk mitigation without sounding like this sort of legally overbearing gorilla right and yeah. that's a great example of where contracts matter because you just drove a huge spike in trying to get that deal closed. Yeah. Uh, that, that's very interesting that you said so many clauses, so many terms. It's, mm -hmm. it's so complex. 60 page, 90 page, I don't know, 50 page contracts, right? So now uh, the interesting topic with that, the AI, the AI can help ease the pain a bit, uh, sometimes yeah. a lot right? It depends on how much of AI you want to use, how comfortable you are with AI. So one thing that I've noticed is the small companies, they don't have 
unlimited money to spend on the councils. But at the same time, if you don't spend that money, uh, if you don't have a, a good understanding of what you're committing to, then it's a major problem. You would, have, you would be exposing the company through a big risk. So now, is it your experience that you've seen where the middle of the road is, yes, you have to use counsel with, with a solution, so you would have learned some things you want to apply that and some you may not want to apply, right? So the learnings of history, that's what the AI would provide, right? As you go through the system, uh, all the interactions, all the counterparty negotiations, the system will record and uh, will be able to give uh, recommendations. So have you seen anything where uh, the CEOs and CFOs are able to recognize, yes, there is an investment to be made uh, on the, let's say, contracting system, uh, but it will pay itself uh, by, you know, like instead of having the legal counsel review it for 150 hours, you can reduce it to 10 hours, saying these are the, 10 provisions that I'm not comfortable with. I haven't, but I think that's a very reasonable proposition as you grow. Yeah. Where ought you to, I mean, we're on the nascent edge now of yeah. where we can say, which things do I need human intelligence for? And which things can I rely on and trust the machines to do so that, you know, your sales folks aren't, yeah. reviewing contracts because you believe somehow that it's cheaper for them to do that. And, and we do, we try to say, because, you know, look, legal is $450 an hour. Yeah. Why don't we take a first pass at this? Because we know which things we've kicked out in the past yeah. and we know which things are sort of tolerable or not. Um, hey, somebody get me a, a list of all our insurance coverages and match it one-to-one -to, -one to this this contract to make sure that we have you know and uh, there's all that stuff and machines can do that you know and ai particularly could could do that and so i think that that investment would make a lot of sense as you pick up volume and you kind of go isn't the goal to be making more deals and not bogging down in administrative details that are repeatable uh, yeah risk risk mitigation is a good thing for everybody we ought to be doing that but where can we reduce the burden of labor? And right. it makes a lot of sense to be able to say, look, you know, the, I don't know, the clause that says where this thing is governed, you know, whose laws are we following? Yeah. It's trivial for that to be processed and say, are you okay with this being in New York, having yeah. not opened this document? And you go, sure, I'm okay with that because I'm going to make a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> if I have to travel to New York, uh, are you okay with arbitration? Are you okay with this and that? And like, I, I imagine that you guys can process, you know, an enormous amount of data because ultimately I have this theory that, you know, there was at one point a great lawyer in the sky that made, you know, the first agreement and everybody else just charges us money to change that one. So <laughs> maybe now, maybe now the great lawyer in the sky will be AI. And uh, yeah. I know, I know we've done this manually over years and years and years of doing sales we have the the Frankenstein agreement that we we bring along with us and say, okay, you know, because there's been in aggregate, you know, seven different companies that spent five hundred dollars an hour on this piece of paper, 
we can be reasonably certain that we're starting with a thing that you don't need to pay for. Uh, now, I can't provide you legal advice because we're not lawyers. Um, however, yeah, chances are if you start with this and ask your lawyer, it'll cost you a grand instead of you know fifty grand. So um, the same the same could be in place where you know you just sort of go run this against what I understand to be my reasonable tolerance of risk and tell me where I should have human discernment come in and, and take a peek at that. Yeah, that makes a tremendous amount of sense to me. So. Absolutely, uh, you know, like. It is so interesting. When we started our company, our thought was contract lifecycle management is for everyone, not just the bigger companies, not just the you know like smaller or mid-sized companies. It's for very small companies. So with five people, ten people, company who are just starting to get to million dollars in revenue. So there, it's very interesting because AI can do. Uh, with uh, with a system like ours, AI yeah, can do about 50%, 70% of the work. So that way you don't have to redo it again and again right. because you know, like you would have gone to external uh, counsel and gotten certain positions for the publicity, as you gave an example, for the payment term, governing law, any of these. So historically what you have accepted mm-hmm. and that's in the system. And right. AI is able to get that and then give you that perspective. So if you had to advise someone on the ideal system, ideal mm-hmm. solution that you would like to see, so what would that be? What are the top three things that you would like to see in that kind of solution? I would want to make collaboration amongst departments on both sides very 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 easy uh you'd be surprised how hard it is to get anybody to sign up for a new system of anything yeah and so you know like as simple as possible to open something that looks very familiar to all different ilks you know Mm. in a browser and just say like let's collaborate on this thing and know that it it tracks and it's clear that it tracks Um, and and i think understanding all those user personas is really important I would definitely want to say, how do I set risk tolerances for which things I'm willing to accept or not? And, yeah. and understand the, the training data effectively. Now I'm an, I'm a geek, so I understand AI, but um, you know, figure out in a way to say, listen, you can be sure that we will scan these, these documents and find out, you know, any, any pitfalls for you. I yeah. think those, those are very important things that we could lean on. And ultimately suggestion would be great you know the i don't know where where the state of the art is on that but uh gosh as a revenue professional i would like to i would love to be able to say you know if you were to phrase this in this other acceptable way you'd achieve the same risk tolerance without having to have this onerous you know bizarre liquidated damages thing that makes you sound like a jerk (laughs) i mean Salespeople yeah. just want to close, you know? So I, I think in the same way that, you know, a Grammarly might be able to sort of go, you can say that better. Um, ultimately, the legalese, you can achieve the same thing without having to say it in the, the worst possible way that makes your brand look yeah. stupid. No, that's, that's perfect, David. Uh, believe it or not, those are some of the design principles with which we build our system. I mean, collaboration is the key. And the second one is doing the same task. You don't have to do it again and again. AI will be there to help. 
And the third one is the negotiation while negotiating and other things, coming up with the just-in-time recommendations, right? Giving you that recommendations. Well, so I'll have you know that I didn't even read the marketing white paper. And, uh, <laughs> I'm glad that I came up with those things. That, that means the positioning is... Uh, is well designed. So congratulations. And, uh, needs, right? I mean, um, those are the needs of uh, yeah. the day, uh, today. If you have to compress the deals and you want to reduce the risk and at the same time, get it signed as quickly as possible yeah. with no friction to the external world, you will have to get your internal act together. So those are the uh, Absolutely. Links. Yeah. And I, I, the number four is obviously that integration point. Yeah. I'm running on some kind of financial system, ERP, QuickBooks yeah. online, what have you. I mean, there's, you know, my bill pay systems integrate properly. My CRM integrates properly. Maybe I have a project management system and everybody who on the delivery team needs to know what's in an SOW automatically. I mean, there's right. all kinds of stuff that you could say, how exactly do I put this now executed document in front of the people that need to do things with it? Yeah. Because it needs to turn into a billable event and a billable schedule and a delivery schedule. And what did we agree to? Are there any terms out of the normal packages that we have changed in order to get that deal done? You really care on the delivery and customer experience side that whoever does, let's say, onboarding call X yeah. knows exactly which things were negotiated that way. The only way to do that now is to go through and make a recording for the onboarding team from sales. Well, if they do yeah. that, they're not on the, they're not making deals. They're not on the phone. And then you make a mistake and your delivery people get on the phone with somebody who's onboarding, you know, a client who's onboarding. They go, I already had this conversation with sales. How come yeah. you guys don't know that? Um, huge stuff that you can accomplish really with that integrated point. And it all comes back to the contract. Yeah. No, the integration is a great, uh, great thing, right? I mean, you said integration and collaboration. So think of having Slack. Within Slack, you want to be able to collaborate on the contracting system. So bringing that enterprise all together, but to the place where they're comfortable with, right? Yeah. If they're comfortable with Slack, so be it. That integration point, okay? not just the collaboration part, yeah. uh, bring that to the place where you are. I mean, that's something that we all thrive for. Mm -hmm. So integration, as you said, is key, right? Absolutely, yeah. Get those AIs to automatically build that contract, send that invoice out right away. Oh, yeah. that'd be nice. You know why? Because that drives faster commissions and we like that too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So by the way, that day is uh, very close. <laughs> so very close and, you know, like fully automated end to end, of course, uh, with there is that big thing where legal can be 100% automated. No, humans, we all wish. Yeah. lawyers are absolutely required. They are very important function because, uh, you know, like what you're accepting and not accepting, uh, AI can do only to that extent, but it's not going to replace that job. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's not the way that anybody should think about AI. I think that zeitgeist is incorrect. It's like the robots are going to replace everything. No. That's right. The robots are going to let you use your brain so you don't have to do a bunch of garbage. Like it's going to surface the thing that you really should be thinking about and we really need your expertise on. Yeah. Not how do I process this Word document that somebody sent me in a different format and gee, why didn't it track the revisions and the red lines from the last guy who did it? 
like that stuff wastes an inordinate amount of time and sometimes it's billable (laughs) so you don't want to be paying for that you know so and when you do that calculation it's it's pretty much a no-brainer on that yeah so thank you so much david you know like it was such an insightful conversation we learned a lot from you anything anything else that you would like to uh tell our viewers from your perspective i um well, first, I hope all of the viewers are booking enormous contracts such that they need to start thinking about this problem. You know, if you aren't sending out any deals, then you probably don't have this problem. So first thing I wish for you is great deal volume. If anything I'm saying resonates with people and you are a business that is driven by a founder somewhere in the six figures and you don't know how to get to the mid sevens, uh, that is the place that we enjoy working uh, add one zero is our company add numeral one zero.co and i am david ledge ledgerwood on linkedin i post all kinds of of fun tidbits and videos and podcasts uh, you could check out the leaders of b2b podcast where i am one of the hosts and we interview uh, b2b executives and founders just about their journey and, and finding out best practices and things like that so Lots of fun stuff. Always happy to share insights and learn about you know, new fantastic opportunities for business process excellence. Yeah. Thank you, David. Thanks for being Have a great day. You too.